Hey there, welcome to the About Your Body podcast. I'm Rachel Holt, the founder and one-woman show behind About Your Body. I'm a visual designer who has an ever-growing interest in the bio-female reproductive system. I want to use my design skills to empower people, especially young girls, to learn all about how incredible their body is and what it can do. I would like to acknowledge that this podcast was recorded on stolen land, the land of the Gadigal people. I pay my utmost respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and their continuing connection to Australian land, sea and sky. Australia always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the About Your Body podcast. Today we're speaking with Abba Carmichael and I'm really excited for you to hear this episode. Just a warning that in this conversation we do touch on domestic violence and emotional manipulation as Abba discusses her experience in an abusive relationship um, and there is also mention of sexual assault so please just be aware of that before listening. So Abba Carmichael is an Atlanta native with an AFA from Young Harris College and a BFA from Savannah College of Art and Design. Most recently, Abba returned to Atlanta and has reverted back to what she loves the most, which is working for herself and prioritizing creating and collaborating with organizations with a positive social impact. She is a self-proclaimed socialpreneur and digital nomad, uh, and she founded My Sexual Biography, or My Sex Bio, as a platform to disseminate this message and the education and resources needed to ignite a 21st century sexual reclamation. Oh my goodness. She invites us to start our own reclamation by taking command of our sexual biography. Educate yourself, empower yourself and your community. Give your sexual story reflection and know that you are in control. That is what today's episode is about. I think you will find what Abba has to say incredibly insightful and important. Let me know what you think and I'll see you on the other side. Hi, thank you for being here. My absolute pleasure. No, you're welcome. No, you don't need to thank no, me you for stop. anything. You, you, you. <laughs> I'm so excited to speak with you. Like, I just feel like I could talk to you forever. I'm going to have to make sure that this podcast is no longer than an hour and a half. Maybe we could just start very briefly with who you are and what you do. Sure. So uh, my name is Abba Carmichael, and I am the founder and vision nurturer of my sexual biography more commonly, less formally known uh, by My Sex Bio. And I know you're a self-described socialpreneur, which I kind of describe myself as that as well. So do you feel like your maybe purpose in life is to educate and empower others knowing what My Sex Bio does? Like I would love if you could expand on what that means for you or what you want that to mean. I am gutturally convinced that I'm supposed to do something in this life. <laughs> my, my energetical gut feels have long told me um, something, something uh, good. Uh, my hands will be a part of, maybe not literally my hands, but my, my, my work, my energy, my attention. And, and I, I was long convinced that well, I, I should say that I've had, I have, I've had lives and many, I've had many lives. I've had many professional lives. I've worked in, in, in film, 
I've worked in and, and entertainment in general. And uh, when I was in New York, had a little stint of doing some uh, working with some Broadway producers, wow. casting, um, uh, produced an environmental uh, educational podcast for five years while I was living in New York. Thought that that might be my trajectory of where I was supposed to go and what I was supposed to do. Worked in um, a very alternative form of education for, for a hot minute as well. Uh, humane education and and each of these paths definitely have built on one another and have taught me a multitude of things um, and I am completely convinced that right now I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing which is sex education and empowerment through sex education and a larger picture of world peace through sex education and empowerment uh, I'm not convinced that that is the last thing that I will do, but I am convinced that whatever might come next, that this will have been necessary in order to do that. Mm. Uh, I, I, I don't singularly think that I'm here to change things. I don't think that I'm special. I don't think that I'm doing anything that somebody else couldn't do. I just yeah. think that my skill sets came together and I've been really blessed to have the energy, the, um, the health and the capacity to be able to see things that are in front of me and say yes for them and tap into them um, every day. Uh, like I'm just blessed. Like I, I wake up and I'm blessed. That's, that's, that's been my MO for a hot minute. That's awesome. That's exactly how I feel actually with about your body is like, so I 100% get what you mean. I don't feel like I'm doing, I don't think I'm doing anything that's no other woman could do. Like, like I have a design degree. Um, I have a, com- a good computer. Um, I'm a woman. My mom's a doctor. Like all of the things fit in together. Um, and I sometimes also definitely, not sometimes, always think that I come from a really privileged place, like really like financially and racially just all good. Grew up in Australia. It's a lovely country. And I feel like it's kind of my duty to try and educate people who don't have access to all of the stuff that I have access to. Like they don't have sex education at school and they don't, um, maybe they don't have a mum who is able to teach them about the things that they need to know. Uh, and so, yeah, I feel very like purpose driven as well. So I love your explanation of um, of what you sort of aim to do through all that. I definitely think that I, I, I can only speak for what it's like to be a woman, but I definitely think that um, people in general are not taught that we can have it all, like that we can, that we have the ability to like make actual change. Um, but we totally have the ability to spark something that might make total change, like might make complete change, or we actually can make total change. Sort of depends on what you're doing and how you do it. And yeah, you're right. The dedication is like, so I feel like as soon as you start a business or a social organization, you just never stop thinking about it. <laughs> it's like your whole life. Um, but I've chosen that life for myself. So. <laughs> yeah. And you were talking about uh, your mom and your the influence there. Um, yeah. I've definitely been impacted by my parents and especially my mom who, uh, who's a business owner as well, started her company mm-hmm. 45 plus years ago. You know, I think it depends if you really like people mm-hmm. 
and I really, really, really like people. <laughs> and honestly, I think at the end of the day, I've been thinking about this more and more. I think at the end of the day, if you were to ask me why I'm doing what I'm doing, like, yes, there is a drive of wanting to create some form of quote unquote legacy, something that lasts beyond me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I would like that, but without question, what gets me up and what gets me pumped and what gets me excited are the people who I get to work with and collaborate with. Like this is my jam. I feel exactly the same. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Getting to hear those other perspectives. And mm. I think that really connects and resonates with what my sex bio is about. Like these are stories. These are people's stories. Yeah. Uh, my sexual biography is focusing on elevating people's stories, a side of people's biography, their story that is far lesser discussed, far less um, <laughs> encouraged to even consider or think about and that's their sexual biography specifically their sexual biography but that's a part of someone's story mm-hmm. and quite frankly that part of someone's story often impacts a larger amount of their story than we ever uh, realize mm-hmm. because we don't talk about these things so in liking people and wanting to hear their stories and wanting to uh, get different perspectives. Um, I think this is one of the sides that, that requires tapping into. I think so too, definitely. And it's never been something that we do tap into. Um, and it's in fact something that we suppress, I think, as a society. Like what do you, what, Actually, it would be great if you could just give a couple of sentences on what you do with my sex bio, what my sex bio is. <laughs> yes, so totally. So mission of my sex bio, we believe that sex education and empowerment is a vehicle for peace. Mm-hmm. Peace that starts within us as the individual when we are educated and empowered expands outward into our relationship or relationships, you know, our friendships, not just romantic, and then continues to expand out into our communities and world. Because when we are not sexually repressed, depressed, or suppressed, Mm. we can more fully and honestly express ourselves and who we are and what we want and what we need because our sexuality is carnal to us. It is deep embedded into us, potentially from external factors. (laughs) My sexual biography has been very uh, externally influenced, Mm. (laughs) but it's still, you know, it still has these guttural carnal cravings. Um, And when we suppress those, or repress them. Um, just real unfun things happen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, we're we're just not fully. We're not we're not fully there. And if we're if we're not fully there, then either we feel empty, which could manifest into a form of depression or something else, or we look to fill those with other things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe that turns and look looks you know like a codependency kind of relationship or maybe that looks like uh, you know different forms of addiction um 
and not, I'm not putting a blanket statement out to say everybody does that, but like a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a common, definitely a common coping mechanism. You can see that whether things are, um, whether it's sexual rep- repression or other repression. I definitely think that when you repress your sexual um, thoughts, history, desires, um, what else is there? History is probably the main one. Like you said, your biography, um, it, it's subconsciously, you may even forget about it. You may even forget what has happened to you or what didn't happen to you. Any, any sort of any sexual encounter that did or didn't happen, but your subconscious doesn't forget, even if you forget. (laughs) And you hear a lot of stories about people who like um, didn't, remember something horrible that happened to them and the trauma comes up later in their life. And this is quite like, that's quite an extreme example. Not everyone has had sexual trauma, thank God. But if you have had something like that and it, uh, it, it can really dwell in you and kind of eat you up from the inside. And I think that acknowledging what you've been through, whether it was good or bad, um, is a really important step to, like you said, becoming whole and being who you truly are. And I guess everything that you suppress uh, brings about shame. Like you feel ashamed of yourself or ashamed that something happened to you. And it's easy for me to say all this, but like not put it into practice. Like if you did something, for example, you did something sexually that you're really not proud of, I don't expect anyone to be like, yeah, but I'm like, I don't feel any shame around it. It's totally fine. But just working on it and taking the steps to own it or to say, okay, that ha-, like acknowledge it. Don't necessarily have to own it. Acknowledge it that it happened and then let it go. Um, I think those are all really important steps. I don't know how to do it, but I know that it can be done. <laughs> that's what a licensed therapist is for. <laughs> yes. And that's on top of all, and that's on top of, of the societal shame that we get 24 seven from literally watching an advertisement and feeling like, Oh, I'm not yeah, pretty enough and <laughs> this way, this way, this way, this way, like check, check, check down the laundry list of all the things that I need, all of these external societally validations, validations, yeah. Uh, yeah. Requirements in order to be loved or liked or wanted or whatever um yeah so there's all of that happening like externally on us and then these internal struggles that we are holding that cause all these different levels of shame yeah none of which serve us none of which do anything other than um dig us into deeper holes that are not helpful yeah quite sad when you think about it really I mean I think you think about this a lot but um I don't, I think some of the listeners probably won't have ever even considered that, um, that you sort of dig yourself your own hole or society digs a hole for you and you stay in it. But when you said um, your own personal sexual biography has been influenced by external, I think you said influenced by external factors or has had external influences. uh, What do you mean by that? That could mean, um, I I think it's just like a, a, a book that you read that could oh, mean okay. a commercial a commercial that you watch that could mean uh you know a you know commercial that feeds you some information that could mean um you're sitting at a cafe and you see this really in your eyes 
societally deemed perfectly attractive couple walk by and you feel like oh why don't I have that da, 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 da. that makes perfect sense thank you for clarifying all of those examples that you just described they're all learnt um, as rather than an innate uh, desire that you might actually have and I, I know your ethos at my sex bio and I actually hadn't really thought about it until I like had first spoken to you is that we all have a like you say carnal <laughs> like innate um desire and need for sex or some form of sexual activity um and we like don't talk about that very much and I think that's really important what was your sex education like growing up in the states (laughs) I was blessed and had uh, a mom that taught me at least told me like the legit act of sex what that was early on um and I can remember even explaining my interpretation of it to, to friends, you know, before we got our quote unquote formal sex ed, um, which would have been in our sixth or seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember they separated the boys from the girls. And I remember it was, we had our, the, the science teacher who was, um, who was a woman and the guys had coach so-and-so, like, I don't know, whoever he was, <laughs> just probably one of the more bro of teachers that one could like imagine, which I hadn't, I don't think I've actually thought about that. Like, I can literally remember him, like sometimes like joking around in class, like he would be like the teacher who'd be like, yeah, you know, like I've got I'm really, really into like WWE or whatever and be like, I've got the whole like thing. If a truder comes into my house, like I know how to like body slam. I'm like, that's how, who they're learning sex education from. Okay. Uh, specific highlights that I can remember. I can remember the teacher telling us that we needed to always be sure to wash our hands um, before like using tampons or anything. She was actually pretty liberal and actually, now that I'm thinking about this, I'm pretty sure she got fired <laughs> after that. So I went to, I should also preface, I was at a, a private Christian school at this okay. time. Yeah. So small class, um, parents who probably weren't super gung-ho about this class even having to be a part of the curriculum. Yeah. So I can remember her like telling us, uh, wash your hands before you use things like tampons. I can remember... I literally still have a visual memory of where I was sitting and her saying, like, look around, one in four of you will be raped in your life. Wow. And I, and I was just like. Wow, that is so confronting. <laughs> for like a. What does that even mean? I'm, I'm like, like, yeah. I'm like 11, you know. Or oh, my or gosh. I just can't um, imagine that happening in like a. Um, a, a, a classroom wow yeah well she was being really I I respect her I, she mm. was I, I actually went to bat for her with another teacher at one point later on <laughs> but anyway um she sounds like a bad uh, bitch like in a good way she was, <laughs> yeah she was trying to tell some stuff straight on and like wake us up a little bit I think um but I do also remember being like 
why are we separated from the boys? Like, what are they learning versus us? And like, why do we have to be in separate places for this? Like, this doesn't really make sense to me. <laughs> um, isn't this like a supposed to be like a compatible act? All of those things go together. I think like the, we separate young boys and girls um, when they're in their sex ed classes in year five, which is what I would call like grade six is probably year six or year five here um, and then later on is kind of no surprise right that when a woman gets pregnant it's all about the woman getting pregnant and like oh she got pregnant it's yep. like well she couldn't fit she couldn't get pregnant on her own it's yep. physiologically impossible <laughs> so I think we're missing half of the story here if we're gonna blame people for getting pregnant which I don't think you should ever blame anyone for getting pregnant but that's a whole other thing no, yeah no that's that's hella bullshit I can also yeah. remember us what being shown the miracle of life movie and oh no yeah I'm pretty <laughs> sure that that traumatized me to never want to have children and past that I pretty much just didn't do anything with 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 boys for the majority of my life I think I was just yeah. I, not I think I was genuinely scared of a boy kissing me or touching me. I had boys who were friends. My best friends through high school was a guy who at the end of it all, I found out he finally came out to me. Like that was a whole like magical, but also like traumatic for both of us moment. But I do think all of that like built up to some, to some scar, some mental scar tissues. Like I, I can mm. remember being like pretty aggressively against boys not wanting them to fuck around with me and, and by fuck around I just mean like like flirting yeah and like whatever that possible concept might be was like a no-go in my head yeah. I feel that too I felt very like I had my first kiss like quite a bit later than most people's well it wasn't late but like later than most people it was certainly later than I wanted it to be I just wanted it over and done with um and I even now don't have many male friends at all I do have some I totally do have some but not many I just feel more comfortable with women um and a lot of the male friends that I have are queer most of the male friends I have are queer um and I pretty much it's kind of like I've got my boyfriend and like a few other male friends and like that's that's it <laughs> yeah and like I'm just not convinced that this serves us in the long run I'm not mm. convinced that it serves women and I'm not convinced that it serves men like wherever you are sexually uh, identifying and preferences like I just don't think that this actually benefits us but I do think all these little segregation points come out along the way of feeling like afraid or whatever I was listening to a comedian and he was talking he was making a joke about like the the benefits of like having diverse friends um and it's like we need we need you there you you get these different perspectives when you have diversity in your circle you miss out on things when you don't have that and those things that you miss out on can end up influencing your biography you know, if you don't, if you don't have the friend who's had anal sex already and can like tell you what's up, you need friends who you can talk to about this. And if you are missing perspectives, then you're missing perspectives. And I think that's, it's like, we don't ever encourage the discussion in the first place. Um, and yet without that discussion, 
I think we are severely disadvantaged for sure. I mean, it's been proven time and time again that we are severely disadvantaged without that discussion. And like, do you think there's a certain, I don't know, when do you think that somebody can start owning their sexual story? Like, do you think that has to come at a certain age or do you think that starts like the moment you're born? Like, what? <laughs> So owning it and having, commanding it or owning it, we use that language interchangeably too. Mm. Um, you command your sexual biography. You have this active role and guiding where you want it to be. Commanding or owning it versus having one, there, there definitely is a difference there. I totally think that it's possible, especially in the generations that are growing up and becoming more aware and active participants in their lives and in their life and the, the impact that their choices have. I think that as early as 11, 12, 13 year olds, I think that there's a fair number in that age range that are ready to start considering their sexual biography. Before that, I think that that really becomes case by case basis, but I don't see any reason why the same age where we are having these sex ed classes why we can't already be understanding that our sexual biography has already begun and it includes the education that we've gotten it includes any trauma that we may already have at that age um, and it includes any feelings that we're starting to have let's let's be clear your, your your sexual biography does not start once you have sex or you do some intimate act it does, it has started from birth. That is, that is when it starts. When we, when, we, when we look at, when we give prompts for people to look at their biographies, it starts from birth. We often encourage looking, okay, birth to puberty, what are the moments, what are the highlights that you can remember? What are things that stand out to you as being key moments in your biography? And then you can unlock it. Um, from there, you know, getting closer and closer to wherever you are in your current age. Um, but there's no reason to stop the reflection early. Doesn't mm. benefit anyone, you know. The earlier that you can understand that you are an active participant in this plot line of your life, one of the many, you're an active participant in it, you can set goals, you can set trajectories that you want. When you realize that, then you can take action on it, or you can change uh, those goals, or where you know where you want to go with things. When so you don't know is when you can't take action. You know. So would commanding your sexual biography might that look like, um, in principle, understanding that you are like the driver's seat for your sexual experiences, and that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. And definitely, like I said, again, I can only speak for what it's like to be like a cis woman, but um, being, being a woman, I know that you definitely are taught from a very young age, whether you are actually taught, because my mum, for example, never actually taught me this ever. In fact, she taught me the opposite, but society teaches you that you are there to be like a vessel for giving birth. And like, that's the only reason you have sex and you also are, you have to like pleasure your husband and also your husband's the only person you ever have sex with. (laughs) And all of these things 
I, I don't mean to say that having children is not important. It's that's amazing. Like the miracle of birth. It's called that for a reason, because I think the fact that we can house an entire life form for nine months is so cool. Um, but women are definitely taught that to have sex is to pleasure a man. Uh, and that's what matters. And there's like, you know, a huge double standard between men and women with having sex and that's just really funny and like not um, applicable anymore. I don't think it ever was applicable, but it's not like something that I think society um, should be tolerating anymore at all. And that's why I like that if you're in the driver's seat of your sexual experience, then it's not just about what your partner wants or the person you're having sex with wants. It's like about what you want. That's so cool. (laughs) We command our stories in damn near every other aspect of our life. Okay. We do that for Mm -hmm. our career. We do that for our family. Mm. We do that for our hair and clothing choices. This isn't something crazy. It's just that this is a part of the narrative that we never fucking talk about. You don't have to have some awakening in order to tap into your biography. It fucking exists. It's Mm. just a matter of whether or not it's being, it's just a matter of whether or not it's in consideration in your book. Yeah, so you are literally just applying the basic basic principles of life to something that we usually just don't talk about and don't think Correct. about. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, true. Wild. Thank you for putting that out because I have been thinking about it as kind of like um, a unique concept, but I guess it's not. <laughs> it, it's, it's not. And, and, I, and I only break it down so rudely to <laughs> hopefully make it seem accessible mm. um so we we put on classes we we put on workshops and classes we have ongoing discussion groups etc cetera, etc cetera. and uh beautiful numbers of people will come and they're like hey you know I'm, I'm 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 here and i'm talking about these things for the first time and people are often shy and mm. unsure and i totally totally get that and usually the first time that somebody comes to a class and, and, and like just sees the general energy and gets the vibe that like these things are okay and this is safe and it can be all right, then like little, little layers or at least dust, you know, gets brushed off and knocked off. Not everybody is going to be able to absorb Uh, that level of safe space and openness and availability to talk about it Mm -hmm. at the same uh, depth or at the same speed. I myself have been through a a rather quite quite abusive relationship relatively recently Mm -hmm. in the past past couple years and and that was why while I was building this um, Mm -hmm. it had started before I got in that relationship and then that happened and like I I believe that that experience, part of why I had that experience put in my life was to be able to give me a window view into the mental space of someone who is in an abusive situation and the um, mind and the chemicals that run through our bodies in order to keep us alive is nuts. (laughs) yeah Um, it's it's really really incredible what our bodies are capable of 
in order to try to, to live. And so I, I mentioned that part only to say and, and invite anybody of wherever they are in their life journey of feeling like they can talk about sexuality. Like there's a million different ways that we can be repressed. Um, some of those are internal and many of those can be external. Um, I invite you, even if you can't attend a class or talk with a friend, if you, have, if you don't have either of those options, know that, uh, and if you are unable to put pen to paper, which is very real for a lot of people, because if that were to be found, that could be harmful, you can think. It can help you see bigger pictures and light of whatever, of whatever you might be in. Um, and potentially give clarity. I can speak for myself. I know I had a, just a huge fog of manipulation put over me. I could not see reality, could mm -hmm. not see what was happening to me for what it was for the longest time. Even when I, even, even at the point when I knew what was going on, I still couldn't get out of it. Um, just being so manipulated but getting some perspective and like actually thinking about things can, can be a huge, huge help. And then, you know, resources and hotlines and, um, and therapy and friends, if, if you can, if you haven't been distanced from them already, uh, can be, can be huge. Thank you so much for touching on all that, because I think we will I'll, uh, undoubtedly have several listeners who will have been through or are possibly going through at the moment a situation like that i got out because i got lucky i got yeah. out by accident more than anything else and i got really lucky that some friends uh showed up for me and that helped wake me up a little bit too like mm -hmm. giving the space having being finally being forced to separate myself a bit and see having the space to really see things for what they were and see how bad things were distance space breathing room breathing room for thought like if mm. you think you are in a abusive relationship an abusive relationship you are first off <laughs> <laughs> because you wouldn't uh, feel that yet you wouldn't feel or think that if it wasn't yeah, yeah i i totally uh, agree <sighs> and then and then second um since you are you have to take care of you and one of the best ways to do that is to separate yourself from whoever the abuser is. That might require physical distancing, that might require needing to get alone in order to be able to leave or move somewhere or phone a friend or get, you know, Western Union put through to you, like whatever. Get some fucking distance to have that breathing room in, or in order to have these thoughts because mm -hmm. these thoughts are what you have you can think through things and then if you're a then with distance if you're able to put pen to paper that will help so much writing things down is that just for clarity of mind it will help so much yeah yes okay. yes and then if you can't afford or get a therapist don't underestimate talking to a friend mm -hmm. like friends can help for the benefit of the listeners the, there are many signs of being in an abusive relationship. I think you just pointed on the, the most probably important one, though. If you think you are, then that's 
that's enough. Um, but for anyone listening who's kind of like, oh, I'm not sure what that is, I'll just say, I guess, that if you are feeling manipulated um, or it, and manipulated can be emotionally, financially, uh, what else is there, sexually manipulated, if you're feeling any of those things, then that's a sign. If you're being distanced from people who you love and care about, like somebody that you're in a relationship with is trying to be like, is trying to keep you um, all to themselves, then that is a really bad sign. Um, and any physical violence is a is a really bad sign as well. And um, I wish that at school, I think that would be an incredible thing if we were taught about just what is not acceptable in a relationship and what you should not put up with. Because relationships, friendships, romantic relationships, everything are very like, oh, well, you know, he's just like that or she's just like that. And you, you get into this habit of like, um, throughout your entire life, just excusing behavior and some of behavior, like, sure, it depends on the person, depends on what they're doing, depends on you. But I wish that there were some clear cut guidelines that we were educated on for like, no, if this happens in a relationship, you are in a very bad position and you need to leave. And I think that would be incredibly helpful. And I hope that one day we will actually get there. I, I don't know if we will, but I hope so. Yeah. And if you have things like gaslighting going on where your narrative is literally being shifted in front of your face. Mm then really your, your concept of reality is constantly in question and you don't know what's up. Like, you know, you don't know what's up from down, you know, of, mm. of what's really true. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for touching on that. <laughs> but if somebody wants to um, get involved with my sex bio and they need help or they just want to learn more, maybe they know someone who needs help. I honestly think everybody would be benefited from this or would benefit from this. Is it in purely online? Um, are there classes in person? How does it work? So hashtag thanks COVID. <laughs> um, we don't have any in-person classes. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> uh, we very well may one day. Mm -hmm. um, and we were in the process of, of, of starting in that direction. Uh, the January before in the before times. Yeah. Um, of, of trying to figure out what that might look like. We, one of our global, one of our goals is we want to have um, community curated and led hubs all over the place. You might have five or six of them in Sydney, mm -hmm. uh, just because either locationally or, uh, you know, subculturally or whatever, like you just like resonate with like a certain group. So you end up getting into one, but then there might be, you know, four others that are going on. And in these groups, you can think of them like a, a, a support group, you know, mm. an, an, an AA or anything else like these. There's a reason that things like AA work. It's because community is healing and having support is healing and supportive and having a place that you can reliably go to and talk about things is also carnal in us. We are storytellers. We are communicators in our, to our core. Mm -hmm. When we are separated from one another, and especially when we're separated from one another in ways uh, of saying that we can't talk about certain things because those are taboo or dangerous or disgusting or whatever, then that is just the further separation from ourselves, but, you know, being able to communicate them and being able to have the language in order to explain things. Um, so not specifically in a support group framework, but we see these, 
these um, these hubs everywhere as friend circles, you know, a reliable place where you can go and you can be like, um, why does, uh, hey, uh, my, my, I don't know, my discharge is looking like this. Does anybody else have this going on? Like, yeah. Does anybody else experience this? Or like, I'm pregnant or like, you know, whatever, or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a, I'm, 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 I'm a penis owner and I'm experiencing ED and like, has anybody else experienced this? Does anybody mm-hmm. know anybody? But also just like, hey, I'm having difficulties being intimate with my partner right now. Um, or I just experienced uh, sex for the first time and, or I want to have sex and I'm scared AF, you know, like, what do I do? So having places where people can go and talk and it's not just a Reddit chat, <laughs> um, you know, yep. um, we need it because there's reasons that the Reddit chat rooms exist. And I'm not hating on Reddit for a second. Like I've seen some beautiful work happen. We're doing a different version of that. Like I'm all about those kind of communities existing. It's just that mm-hmm. it's not the only way and it's not. So, so part of how we exist, we're, we're, we are on social media. We are very much on social media. So Instagram is like a, one of our primary hubs. You know, different people learn in different ways. Some people are visual learners and express themselves visually. Some people need the, the human element. Well, most of us do, but, you know, in, in different ways. Um, some people need to listen to things. That's why some people prefer podcasts over videos. You know, we have different ways that we like to absorb information. So first off, we try to be on and in as many of those as possible, putting out content. Um, but also we have uh, the My Six Bio studio where we have classes and workshops and facilitated discussions where currently via Zoom, we can come and we can have chats. And even though it is virtual, some real good shit <laughs> happens in those classes. So in terms of how to get involved or how to learn, um, pick your entry point. <laughs> yeah, right. So you've really just made it very accessible. Fuck yeah. <laughs> That's the intention. That's the intention. And when you do roll up to, to, to Instagram, you'll see... Um, what we do is we pick a theme each month. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about things from ethical porn to, uh, sex and light, how light influences sex and and your sexuality, um, sexual rituals. We've talked about, uh, sustainable sex. We've talked about, um, group sex. Mm -hmm. So we, we, we try to, you know, the topic of sex is huge. So each month we put, we take a, a lens and we place that lens, which might be, you know, uh, ethical porn or whatever it is. And we look at sex through this lens of ethical porn. Like, what does that look like? So we give these little dives into different topics. So when you do come and you check out the platform, especially on Instagram, or if you sign up for our newsletter, um, that's what you're going to see. You're going to see a monthly theme where we're focusing on something specific and uh, it also weaves and integrates in probably lots of things that we've discussed. Um, but next month it will change. So maybe you're not interested in whatever we're talking about this month, but you know, maybe next month. Doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think what you've done really well is making it so welcoming so that hmm. I honestly think that 
I could turn up to one of those classes not knowing anyone and feel okay. And I am not someone who usually would feel comfortable doing something like that. That's how like open it is. And like, you're not supposed to know anyone in the classes and you're not supposed to, like, it's totally fine. I think if you show up to the class about abortion, not even knowing what abortion is. Um, And I think that's what you've done really, really well because definitely some online spaces are freaking awesome, but you don't feel like super welcome in them. Um, And you're welcome. Thank you for making that space for everybody. And yeah, it's awesome. So good. <laughs> so thank you so much. People. It's people. It, it yeah. is, but it, it really is people. I think mm-hmm. when we all start to understand that like people really do matter and elevating people mm-hmm. really matters, which mm-hmm. again, start with ourselves, like elevate ourselves and, uh, to, to the degree that we can. And then like, look and see how many others you can lift up that makes compounding change. Mm. Well, the last question I'm really excited to hear your answer that I ask everyone is, when you were younger, what is one thing that you wish you had known about your body? The thing that jumped out to me first uh, when, 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 I, when I read that was that, I, that it's 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 mine and it's going to be with me for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So understand that and give it love, Mm -hmm. particularly um, religious, but I do find wisdom in the concept of your body being a vessel. And that's like really manipulated in a lot of uh, texts when used. Um, But how I mean it, like your body is a vessel, like love it, love it like a cherished item. Oh, I love that. (laughs) The one thing that, what's one thing you wish you knew about your body when you were younger? That it's mine. Yes. (laughs) Thank you so much for chatting to me. I think everybody will have found so much insight in this conversation and I'm feeling weirdly I'm feeling a lot like calmer after speaking with you I think the way you speak is very therapeutic and you take breaks between your sentences you don't just like go 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 like me (laughs) I appreciate you and I appreciate you being on the show thank you so much and I will leave links to my sex bio including the website and the Instagram in the show notes and also everyone should sign up for the newsletter because I genuinely really like that newsletter I don't just sign up to be nice I sign up because I actually want to read it (laughs) thank you that means literally the world oh good Thank you so much for listening to the About Your Body podcast. I hope you found joy and comfort in learning about the biofemale body and the power that it holds. In the show notes, you will find links to the About Your Body Instagram page, which is full of free resources and illustrations explaining biofemale anatomy, as well as a link to the About Your Body Etsy store, where my art is available for purchase. And if you're a business organization or entrepreneur working in the women's health or women's empowerment space, we could work well together. Please reach out to me via my website, which is www.byracholholt.com if you'd like to hire me for graphic design or artistry services. Until next time, here's to learning about our bodies.